Welcome to Drone Business Talk, the show where we discuss the business of unmanned aviation. Find out about the latest drone applications and trends as we talk to drone company CEOs, business owners, pilots, and thought leaders to reveal the status of the drone industry. Welcome to episode 24 of Drone Business Talk. We're back with our series on the pioneers of the drone industry, and today's guest is Enrique, UAS and R&D manager at Ancora Drone Test Center from ITG. Welcome, Enrique. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me to the session. Um, I'm doing quite good, actually. Uh, I, I was willing to have this conversation with you for, for a time, so I'm quite happy to be here today. Weather is marvelous today. Uh, all is good. I think uh, here in Belgium as well, the weather is for, I think, the first time since last summer that it's actually warm enough again to not wear a jacket outside. So uh, oh. everybody's happy here as well. But I think that's we perfect. Have different... You know, spring, spring is here, yeah, so we need yeah. to take advantage of that. Just go for a walk today. Absolutely, but I think we have very different perceptions of what good weather is and what bad weather is. Uh, more or less, you know, because at the end uh, we are located in the northwest of Spain, that the weather is similar to other parts of Europe. Yeah. You know, it's not like the the, the south of Spain and Andalusia, with uh, you can find forty five degrees in summer. No, yeah, this is yeah. totally different. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't know it was that big of a difference. Um, and could you maybe start by introducing yourself and ITG and the test center a little bit? Yes, of course. Well, my name is Enrique Ventas. I am the UAS R&D manager at ITG. And my role here is to, um, to launch new initiatives regarding drones and also to follow up and trying to, to grow the business of drones in ITG and, of course, at the end, indirectly in Spain. And sometimes in Europe, you need to be optimistic. So, yeah. um, I have a background in ATM and an aeronautical engineer. And before that, I was working in Enaires, in ECO, and in Ryanair as ATM manager, ATM project manager, depending on the, the occasion. And yes, uh, my role there was just working on, on the single urban sky. And time ago, I decided to, to move to the drone business to see how things are evolving, just to, to keep in the loop on the, um, on the new developments. And then I joined ITG. And ITG is a very diverse company. It's a technology center. It has been recognized as National Technology Center in Spain. And we work in five different areas and representing one of them, the sensor and UAS uh, division. But we also work with uh, what, uh, water technology, um, energy efficiency, sustainable construction, digitalization, and as I say, um, UAS and sensor division. And the good point of being so diverse is that we can exchange our views and we can create projects together. So for example, we can have a project on the water division and say, hey guys, maybe you can use your sensors to put something here and we can work together. Or Actually, we work a lot with the digitalization part. At the end, um, drones and digitalization are very close. So that's an important thing. And also, within each division, we are very diverse. You know, we have a lot of engineers, a lot of people from different backgrounds. So we work in actually in our area in three different lines and across research line. The three different lines and autonomy and automation. That it's all about creating new hardware. It's all about creating new things to support 
uh, automation of the drones operation. For example, we have a drone in a box solution, or we have created a battery management uh, service as to be able to, to improve the energy efficiency. This work has been done with our colleagues from energy. Then we have another line that is uh, full use space. We have created, uh, together with NTT Data, a UTM tool that actually is right now being tested in different R&D projects, and I think it's very close to market. So hopefully we'll see the solution uh, deploy in a city very soon. Finger crossed. And in, in this R&D project, for example, in Amulet, uh, it's a research and development project of Cesar. Uh, we are part of the coordinators, and apart from that, we are deploying this solution. And we try to apply artificial intelligence and embed these into operations to be able to do that. And the cross line is safety. Of course, we need to keep safety for everything. So we have some experts just analyzing the, uh, the regulation and lifety the standards to ensure that all, all developments coming from medium TRLs to products are always compliant with regulation and safe for citizens. And all test centers, of course, we need to validate all this technology. And it's very difficult to do it. You cannot go to, any, say, to say, okay, I'm going to fly my drone here. I'm going to put my drone in a box in the middle of the city. No, you cannot do that. So at the end, we, we saw that there was a need here and we decided to, to create our own test center, this Ancora. Ancora is located in the northwest of Spain, in actually in the north, <laughs> because it's very close to the sea. It's so close that it's in a hill and you can jump at it and swim there. So there is a mountain and you have a direct access to the sea. So you can take off and you can fly there. So it's quite safe. So you can validate technology from low TRLs and also just to, to do more complex things. For example, you can run a um, test with the, the, the maritime environment. We had some stimulation and some um, demonstration time ago with emergency services, uh, Ashega of, of Galicia, just to validate, for example, a search and rescue mission, just to, to locate um, a marineer that was there missing in the middle of the sea, yeah. and just go with the drone, check, okay, he's there, and then the boat go to rescue him. It was a nice exercise, to be honest. And another thing that is quite interesting is not um, is not for it's for vertical and takeoff landing drones. We have an helipad, and we have all the offices, the hangar, and everything. And it's in a in a nice area. It's a nice spot because there is some other, for example, there is an an heliport close to the to this to area, but it's not very used. So we have an agreement with that. Some uh, coordination procedures to be able to to play there. And another interesting fact is some people don't know, but in Galicia there is other uh, test centers. For example, there is one is managed by the BACAIN, that is the, the innovation agency of, of the government in Galicia, but also for, for the INTA, uh, a military research institution. Uh, this is a huge location also, um, and it's part of the civil UAV initiative. And that is something, a regional initiative just to to, to create that. And the idea that we are pushing there is, you know, try to use the infrastructure that best shoot to the test. So just imagine you have a large drone, you can use TR because it's in the middle of, of, of an area where you can do all type of validation. Then you can move to Ancora that's close to the sea to validate another different things. 
And then you can go to the new installation, the new infrastructure that ITG is developing right now, that is a urban laboratory. It's in something called Ciudad uh, Elastic. This is basically a digital city in, within a Coruña city in Spain. And it would be another thing that you will see in 2022, more or less, at the end of 2022, hopefully. You know how this thing works. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so yeah, just for, for the people that are listening that, that don't know the, the abbreviation TRL, it means technology readiness level, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, one of the one of the main things that I was wondering about about ITG and 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 the and the technology centers in general is what is the, the business model behind it? How does a technology center make money? Okay, there are different types of technology centers. There are some technology centers working with new technology uh, that are barely developed, so they need to do more research. These are very close to university, and then other technology centers that are more close to market, to transfer market. So there are different types of funding that we have. From one side, we are doing research. So we participate in national research projects. We participate in Europe research projects or, or beyond even. Uh, we get funds, for example, from Horizon Europe, from life projects, uh, for the national funds or these uh, new recovery funds of Europe if they, when they arrive uh, to their own business. So at the end, what we are seeing here is we can get some of the money there, but that's not all, but some of them are not covered 100%. So then we are doing other stuff. Uh, we are doing consultancy, for example, in ITG. Uh, we can rent Ancora to get some funds there, continue or research or activities. Um, and then we are do this transfer to market. So we have agreement with different companies to uh, to work on technology. For example, we develop uh, an UTM tool with entity data. And at the end, this will be a commercial tool. Uh, we will reach an agreement with it to see how we can exploit it. Another thing is a drone in a box solution. We offer that to companies. They can buy it and they can implement it in their operations. So this is another type of funding that we can get over there. And of course, uh, depending on different uh, regional governments, they can give some funds and some awards, additionally to to do specific projects. All right. Yeah, it's always yeah. Yeah. Um, because we we um, we we have been we we have the UTM tool as well, and it's always nice to hear when there's when there's more coming to the market because that means that that the market is getting readier and readier. So that that's always good to hear. Could you maybe tell me a little bit more about um, what is behind you in, in the drone safe, drone safe box and, and how does it work and what does it do? Okay, the drone safe box is, is an autonomous hangar. It's basically a drone in a box solution. You have a big box with drone inside and you can leave that technology in the middle of nowhere you want. And you can operate remotely. You can be at your office and say, okay, I need to, to go with the drone to inspect this area then you turn on the device plan the route that you want to do and then the, the drone take off go to the mission return land and charge the battery so it's ready for the next mission at the same time there is a a, a direct connection with the office so you receive the information in real time and we are combining this we call it something um, or i don't know or, or suite we have different services that we apply to everything so try to combine if we create a drone in a box, we are going to be we are going to try that is compatible with other solutions that we have. For example, we have 
I think you have something similar to manage the, the drone operation tool. We have drone suite that is basically a tool to manage drone operation in the daily life. Also, to be able to create flight plans, to manage, to receive operation, to see what is happening. Uh, this is linked with UTM tool in the future. So we are creating this. And for example, you can run the operation of the drone safe box uh, using drone, drone suite, for example. Yeah, I it's, think it's a, it's a quite interesting tool because at the end, you know, uh, you can leave this in the middle of nowhere and you don't need to be there. Maintenance costs at a minimum, you don't need to, to move the pilots there. I think it's interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the, the more you can connect all your all, all your different services together, yeah. of course, the, the bigger is that the value, the bigger the value is that you can give to, to potential customers. Um, yep. How did you how did you get from how did you get interested from man aviation to into the inland aviation? That's a very interesting question, and actually something more to uh, it's coming from research. <laughs> now that for real, right now uh, there's several things. The problem with man aviation, under my point of view, is they have been operating for a very long time. They have the technology, the avionics, and make any change. It's quite difficult. You need to force them. You need to put a regulation to say you need to deploy this into your system to be able to be compatible with what we are doing in UTM. And from a point of view that uh, I was working in, the, in an airline before, it's totally impossible to do that a short term. So um, using the, the infrastructure is going to be a challenge uh, for me. And that's one of the things that we are thinking of is maybe, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with SWIM, system-wide information management. I think we can look after this to see if we can combine information from man aviation to a, a main operation using this type of standards and then try to sort it out somehow. But of course, we need to find a way to, to, to use man infrastructure because at the end it is there. ADSB can be a solution. Of course, I'll, there is a transition right now in man aviation. Uh, they're updating infrastructures. They are moving from this huge radar of the middle of the 20th century to to ADSB, uh, to satellite, GNS, and everything. So I think we need to follow this track. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, I think um, the demand aviation, their their technology develops at a much slower rate than than um, the, the drone technology. Yeah, but it's because they don't need it. They, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's an established. You're operating something that it works. Why do you want to change? It's very expensive. You need to you need to put the avionic system. You need to deploy. You need to retrofit your fleet because, I don't know, um, a Boeing 737, maybe you're operating that 15 years or 20 years even. And yeah. not talking about the 747. The Boeing 747, that is from the 70s, I think so, and it's still operating. So you need to retrofit the aircraft, put in this, and you need to certificate with aeronautical standard. That's very expensive. So if something works, okay, I'm not going to do anything. That's the, that's the problem with everything, all the developments in man aviation, which is good. You know, the safety level that they have, they're impressive. We should look for that. We should try to keep these safety levels. But well, we need to reach an agreement, maybe a round table, a brainstorming session between a man, traditional industry, traditional aviation industry, and newcomers that sometimes they don't come from the aeronautical 
world. They come from the telco side, from the startups. Uh, they have a different view. I think we can get the best from the different people coming here. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it wouldn't work if, if everybody came from, from the same background. Um, then we then the innovation would be a lot slower. Um, what I was wondering is that I saw on your LinkedIn that one of your last posts was um, flying taxis will be here sooner um, than we expected. Um, yes. What, what is your opinion on that? Because everybody has very different views on, on when people will be transported in roads. Uh, yes, yes, actually, and my view has changed since I joined ITG. You know, this post, I think, is almost one year ago, more or less. Okay, okay, if okay. If I'm not wrong. <laughs> uh, one year ago, I started in the drone business, as, as everyone starting in a new business. It says, okay, I'm full of energy, let's go into this, I see opportunity, so on and so on. But things are slow. Uh, are slow because uh, we need to keep great safety levels and doing that is called that we need to go through a regulation and regulation takes time yes right now we have the basic US space regulation in place but it's not enough to ensure that air taxis can operate you know that air taxis are operating in other parts of the world we have the ihan for example flying in china or some tests in other areas but it's not complying with European regulation so far because you need to go with EASA, through EASA. EASA needs to provide the different uh, means of compliance and the different, uh, then Eurocar needs to provide the, the standards and everything. And right now, I think we have some sort of, um, you know, the, with the sale three and sale four, they have provided some, um, some guidelines to not certify, but just to be able to fly indeed in that level of, um, of risk. The problem is when you start doing the SORA, this, the, the safety analysis to fly, it's very difficult that an air taxi can operate, if, for example, in sale two, or in sale three, or even in sale four. So at the end, uh, they cannot fly or not freely, just in very limited situations. So the question is, when are we going to have, for example, safety, um, the SORA with sale five, five and sale six? That is where most of the drones uh, carrying people will operate with this level of risk. So that's, I think that's the question. So my guess is yes, we will see some air taxis flying maybe in 2025, mm -hmm. maybe more or less, but it will be a very limited operation in some areas under some circumstances. For example, I'll put you an example. Right now we are organizing a flight campaign within the AMULET project. Uh, we have this problem. We we're trying to fly some air taxis, and uh, we are trying to create the scenario so they can fly. Yeah. So we need to segregate their space. We need to ensure that there is no one in there that they are flying. Uh, we need to provide an emergency plan, so on, so on, so on. It's getting difficult. It's getting difficult to to get <laughs> their taxis flying so far. So that's reason because I was very optimistic one year ago. Now I'm confident that we will get it soon, but it depends on what everything understands about soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from optimistic to realistic. Yeah. Um, another thing that, that we've, yeah, we've, we've touched base with it a couple of times now is safety and risks. 
how do how do you manage it what 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 is the, the procedure and how do you make sure that you always keep up the highest safety uh, measurements at ITG? Well, that's that's a very good question. And in ITG, we have a safety team. We have some people uh, looking after that. They they have been working in in that for a long time, and it's not only about hardware. They they have been working, for example, in artificial intelligence, uh, a safe artificial intelligence. And there is also a, it will be in the drone business at the end. Uh, artificial intelligence is embedded in all the operations. And the point with safety is right now there there are lack of standards to ensure that you are complying with all the safety levels required. So, for example, in the case of ATG, we are using the aviation traditional standards for some developments. So, following that, we ensure that we are safe. We are doing for software and. Right now, uh, EASA and Eurokai and all the organizations are working to provide the, the, the ANCs, the testable mean of compliance, and the different standards. And our idea is as soon as they are available, we try to apply to our products to ensure that we are compliant with them at the short term, just to ensure that we keep track. And then another thing that, that we do is every time we need to fly, we run an assessment, a very deep assessment, uh, which you call the SORA, of course. But we also coordinate with all people involved, try to try to contact authorities to get them involved. For example, in this AMULET test, we come with the support of the emergency agency with the, um, with the municipalities to ensure that everyone knows what is happening and support every flight that we do. But this is the best way to keep safe with a high level and also uh, to keep safety with a high level and also uh, to ensure that people is involved and their social acceptance is crucial. If we don't have social acceptance, we don't have their own business. I'm 100% sure about that. Uh, absolutely. And I think I think social acceptance has drastically changed over the last two to three years. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you see that evolving in the future? Because we're we're definitely not not completely there yet. In in terms of social acceptance, but how do you see that evolving, or how well, would you want to see it evolving? That's that's a question. Well, I think we have a lot of work to do. Um, I remember a time ago with with the phones. You know, phones were not something. The smartphones. Oh, this is something new. They're going to spy me. Oh, the 5G, 5G, please keep that away from me. So that's something that we need to, it is a, it is a slow process. So for me, it's about showing people that drones can, can bring a benefit for them. So they need to see that it's not all about fancy drones flying there, making noise and trying to, to record everything. And just to to filter everything that they're recording in internet. No, that's not about it. It's for example, um, we need to start with key use cases, for example, medical transport. Say, okay, from one hospital to another one, let's going to move some medicine or an organ transplant, for example, from one point to another one. That's, I think that's useful and that's something that a citizen will support it. And when they start seeing that nothing happens, then, they will start accepting other things. For example, uh, I think they're okay with police officers using that to control 
areas. Or they are okay if, for example, in, in, in a port, you do the to run the inspections using drones or just inspecting a bridge or using that in emergencies. That's the first step. People need to understand that it, we are doing the best to keep a good level of safety. And again, safety is here. It's, everything is very close to that. Regulation with safety, safety with social acceptance, and safety with the developments. But then the, we don't need to rely just on people accepting by itself what we are doing. We need to communicate. We need to create forums. We need to reach people to say, we are doing this, this, and this. And we need to ask them, what do you want? What is the development? What is the process? So you accept that. And that is something that we need to do, for example, in the research project or engaging with the municipalities. Uh, we have now started an activity also within AMULET project and also another internal one in ITG to um, about social acceptance. And this is, we are asking people, okay, you have a survey this, what are your concerns? Tell me. After that, our idea is to manage this information, is to say, okay, this is what you have said, let's go to assess it. And now let's go to prepare some sort of training. Maybe not to all people respond in the survey. We have not resources to do that. We have not a government, but we can select maybe 50 people from all this huge survey and say, okay, let's go to do some sort of training. That's a simple one. We cannot talk about TRLs with them, but maybe you can talk about, okay, we are doing this from here to here. And to ensure that you are safe, we are putting this thing here, this thing another key, and there's a guy controlling that, and this is how the tool works. Now let us power. If they feel that what we are doing is safe, they trust us. And then after that, we will repeat the survey. Okay, now you know what are we doing. Do you think the same or have you evolved? And I think that's the process. It says, and uh, go and come back, go and come back. We show you something, we receive your feedback, and we apply it. I think um, I think that that is that is going to be very interesting a very interesting test. Um, yep. Because obviously people and that's that's the whole issue with the five G thing and so on as well is people people don't trust what they don't understand. Yes, and actually another fact is uh, is media. At the end, what are the news? that media always cast at the beginning of the newspaper of air taxi is flying. Amazon is putting 100 drones to deliver things to your garden. That is a problem because people is afraid of what can happen. Oh, an air taxi. No, please. If you start saying that no, it's a drone of five kilos that will fly from one point to another one to carry out some type of mission, it's totally different. Yeah, and I think a lot of people still haven't really seen what a drone looks like in real life. It's not some crazy, scary thing because you, we, we cannot forget that for the first 10 years, the only time drones came into the news were when they did strikes for, for the military. Yeah. And people have these big, crazy ideas from a, from a drone, while it's actually like this styrofoam thing that you can most of the times very easily break it's something very delicate it's not like a, a big bad ball that is flying in the sky yeah. and for example they cannot fly with wind yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. conditions so at, at the end they're very small things most times 
it's um I, I i don't remember who said it but it was uh, it was in in a podcast as well and some guy said yeah they, they still have to in, invent autonomous autonomous vehicles that you cannot kill by drowning them in some water yeah <laughs> like, so it's, it's I always I, I always remember a video I saw time ago a, fl a guy flying his drone very happy in the middle of nowhere and suddenly the battery was very low at the drone start just going down and down and the guy started running trying to catch the drone and finally the drone was in the middle of a pool <laughs> so, <laughs> yes uh, exactly exactly um what do you think the future looks like for the drone industry in five years? Do you have any any hopes or dreams of, of what kind of developments that, that could happen by then? Yes, well, in five years, I think it's 2027. 20, as I said before, hopefully we will see at least some air taxi certified or if not air taxi, some uh, big drones certified yeah. and operating. I think that's one of the points. Another thing, I, I think we will see some cities with a UTN tool deployed there. Not non-profitable. <laughs> they will not get any profit at the beginning because at the end to get a profit, you need to, to have a, a high traffic. If not, it's very expensive. So, well. But at the end, there will be some tools deployed and we will see the first use cases in our daily life. Fully deployed and available. I think that's the minimum that we can see at this stage. Because so far we, have, Right now we are seeing some companies right now running use cases. We have Win, for example, just doing some deliveries and other companies just um, doing some inspection. And it's quite common to see a police officer with a drone right now in the middle of a city just yeah. monitoring what's happening. So I, in five years, I hope this is just more mature and we see that as a usual thing in our cities. And of course, another thing that I expect to see is more alignment between man aviation and unmanned aviation within some common procedures. I think in Europe we are doing some good work on that matter because at the end, uh, Euro control, I think, is, is in the middle of both worlds. They work with ATM, with man aviation, and also they are moving a lot of UTM research. So I think that's a good point to see, okay, let's go to find a common place to work together. So in five years, I think something like that. And if I can do a wish list, for me, it's let's first, let's go to deploy UTN tool in a city. If citizens don't see that these things work in a city, social assistance will be slowed down so far. So we need to start just bringing drones, small drones, to our normal lives to start getting acceptance of that. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, that that was that was all the questions that that I had, Enrique, for the podcast. Um, is there anything that you, that you want to talk about? No, hopefully. Or something? No, well, I'm going to say one word. Just one one message to um, to authorities in Europe. Please give us some flexibility where we want to do research. We want to fly, we need to fly, we need to accumulate flight hours. We are not going to break the regulation. We are going to follow the rules, but sometimes it's good to have a best spoke approach to something to be able to, to, to try things. And of course, test centers are essential. 
I, I, I think this podcast is a great thing because you are bringing together people from all over Europe and all different sites talking about their technology, talking about what they are doing, but they need to test it. That's the meaning of everything. So at the end, we need flexibility to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot develop regulations unless flight hours are being done in the specific scenarios. Yeah, unless you have the data. Yeah, you yeah, don't have exactly. about the flights. You cannot do a proper regulation because you don't know what is happening. Just guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in controlled test centers that take safety serious, it yeah. should definitely be a lot more possible. All right, Enrique. Thank you so much for joining me. It was a, it was a real pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for inviting me, and hopefully we'll be able to soon to speak very soon when we have our urban test site operating Absolutely. innovation. Absolutely. Have a good day, everything. Bye-bye.